Welcome to TIFF Talk, sponsored by Endogastric Solutions, a podcast that interviews physicians and real-life patients about the most common gastrointestinal disorder, GERD, commonly known as chronic acid reflux. Listen to patients and physicians interact, break down the disease from different perspectives, and learn how taking the next step in your treatment can change your life. For our audio listeners, you can see visuals on our YouTube channel at GERD Help. The TIF procedure may or may not be appropriate for your health condition. Only your doctor can explain the benefits and risks of all treatment options. Results may vary. Visit GERDHelp.com for more clinical data. The TIF procedure for reflux was developed by Endogastric Solutions Incorporated. Welcome everybody on Facebook. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Andrea Millers and I'm with Endogastric Solutions. Uh, we're here for our TIFF Talk Tuesday and I'm very excited to have our special guest, uh, uh, Dr. Andrew Coe. Welcome Dr. Coe, thank you for being here today. Delighted to be here. Thank you. So Dr. Andrew Coe is a gastroenterologist who's been practicing in the Orange County, California area since 1991. Uh, during that time, Dr. Coe's received many accolades in his field. He, uh, his areas of specialty include esophageal and gastro gastrointestinal disorders. He's also the founding member or one of the founding members of Pacific Endoscopy and Surgery Center in Fountain Valley, California. So again, welcome Dr. Coe and thank you for being here tonight. So as you all know, uh, Facebook watchers, uh, this is a live event and at any time you'd like to ask Dr. Ko any questions, please feel free to comment section and we will do our best to answer all of the questions that you have for him today. So we're going to go ahead and start Dr. Ko. Can you let's start off talking about GERD and acid acid reflux. Um, maybe give us a scientific explanation of what is GERD and what types of um, symptoms could a patient feel uh, if they were suffering from GERD or acid reflux? Sure, happy, happy to answer that. The, the, the GERD is, is, a, is a very common uh, disorder in the United States. Uh, it, affects, it affects about the quarter of the population, which is about 80 million uh, Americans. Uh, about half of them uh, will, will see a doctor. Uh, about a quarter of them uh, will require some kind of a long-term management. But the basic disorder of the GERD is a really an anatomic problem. It's an anatomic uh, disorder that involves the presence of uh, hydrohernia many times in combination of a lax a, a muscle sphincter, they call lower esophageal sphincter. Uh, in combination, uh, sometimes you may not have both. Sometimes you may have a problem with one or the other, or, or sometimes both. Uh, and, in, and the severity can vary uh, quite a bit. Uh, so it's an anatomic disorder that uh, fails to prevent a reflux or regurgitation of the stomach content into the uh, esophagus. So. As a result, the, the, the presenting symptom can vary from heartburn to chest pain 
uh, uh, dysphagia or difficulty swallowing. Uh, coughing, hoarseness, it really depends on how quickly the gastric content regurgitate into the esophagus and up to how, how high it goes, it, it, it can change the presenting symptom. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> yes. Thank you. So what uh, do you suggest for patients, you know, initially before medical therapy or uh, even, you know, procedurals uh, or surgery, what do you, uh, what do you uh, have your patients do to manage their GERD symptoms? Do you recommend? And sure. In, in uh, mild situations, uh, the GERD can be managed uh, without medications or uh, without doing any extensive evaluation. It can be managed by uh, dietary modification, lifestyle changes, uh, uh, and the dietary modification may include avoiding uh, spicy food, coffee, tea, chocolate, tomato sauce, uh, fatty meal, uh, not eating late at bedtime, overeating, wearing tight-fitting clothes. So there's a different kind of med uh, either dietary changes or lifestyle modification can suffice. So if, if that's in, that's all that is needed, then you may not need to do anything further. But most of the time, it may not be enough. Right. So uh, we get, we're getting some a lot of some questions already for you. Um, first off, we're, people are saying good evening to you, Dr. Ko. So um, good evening. Um, someone's asking, what is the success? Well, let's actually keep going, and then we'll talk about the success rate of the TIF procedure. So Let's dive into that right now and talk a little bit more about what are available treatment options for GERD currently. So traditionally, the, the treatment has been a, a, a medication after lifestyle changes, uh, dietary modification. If that is insufficient, then you go to medication and you can go to so-called H2 blockers, which are mainly like Zantac or Pepsid. Uh, and a lot of times, if that may not be enough, then you go to a so-called proton pump inhibitor. Our most common medication is Prolosec uh, over the counter, and there, there are uh, variations of those medications as well, like Pentaprozole, Nexium, Dexalin. They're, uh, they're designed to lower the level of acid in the stomach so that even if you get regurgitation, it, you don't get damage from the regurgitation. So mm -hmm. the medications are designed to protect the esophageal lining from acid damage, but it doesn't really fix the fundamental problem of regurgitation or reflux, namely the, the abnormal anatomy. So uh, although the problem is in the anatomy, the medication treatment is to lower the acid. Uh, so so is, there's a lot of misunderstanding that uh, comes about because of that, that a lot of people think that the GERD is actually from too much acid, which is uh, it's a misunderstanding. It's not is because of too much acid. It's the acid that's normally there going up in the wrong direction is a problem. 
and the medication, it tries to lower the acid level. Right. So speaking of that, uh, there, there's a lot of uh, consumers that, that are, A, starting to get more concerned of long-term effects of PPI use. Um, and then there was recently a published paper about um, PPIs potentially increasing your chances of getting COVID. And as we know, during this time, um, you know, a lot of people are are nervous about that. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Um, sure, which is a very appropriate uh, question to ask at this, <laughs> this uh, time of pandemic. Uh, there are long-term side effects of PPI, and, and if you count them, it goes to about 10 to 12 different long-term side effects. Uh, but the most recent one that's concerning in, in this time of pandemic is that there's a recent uh, article that was published in the uh, American College of Gastro uh, Journal uh, that reports that there's about twice the risk of getting COVID uh, when you're taking a, a PPI once a day. Uh, that risk goes up to four times, four times the risk if you take the double dose PPI. So it's a, a twice a day uh, PPI. Uh, increase the, the the risk of COVID, which kind of makes sense because in, in a logical sense, because the acid is there to one of the function of the acid in the stomach is to protect the uh, the system from foreign infection, and when you lower the acid level, uh, there's a there's a potential chance of uh, infectious material passing through. Right. Right. Okay. Thank you. What about long-term side effects of PPI use? Do you do you have any um, any studies that that show that there are long-term effects side effects of? So, so, so the, the, the I mentioned there are about twelve different kinds. Oh, that's right. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. So you know, and, and I can list some of them. Uh, the most common one that uh, we talk about about are potential injury to kidney, mm. uh, magnesium level. Uh, going too low, uh, uh, so hypomagnesemia. Um, sometimes you can get bacterial uh, colitis uh, related to so-called C. diff colitis. Um, osteoporosis is very common. Uh, there's a, some drug interaction with other medications, so particularly cardiac medications or blood thinner. Uh, there's a, some remote uh, association with dementia, a heart disease, uh, or some other problems. Thank you. I appreciate that. Let's talk a little bit now about um, what are the different, um, after medical therapy, what are the different options, um, surgical options, if you will, and then, you know, you can talk about the TIF procedure as well for, for treating GERD. Yeah, so um, it, this is a so to me is is an exciting time to be in uh, because you know I've been uh, in the field of gastroenterology for almost thirty years, and during this time the treatment for GERD it was essentially uh, using PPI, and uh, of course if you talk to the surgeons in the past they would say Nissan fundification was the way to go. So I remember going to many, many different medical conferences 
with the surgeons and, and you know, uh, the, uh, the medical side fighting back and forth, which is better, which is better. Uh, and uh, uh, there was, there was a, no clear answer. But the, the Nissan Fund application has been the, uh, the, the last resort therapy after you fail PPI. Uh, but not many people got referred to it because there were high rate of uh, complications, uh, up to 30% of dysphagia. Uh, people were not happy with the outcome, and they tend to get undone over time. So you may end up back on the PPI again, and it was very difficult to reoperate that uh, uh, surgery once it's done. So it was not a popular option, but it was used as a last resort. But when I say this is an exciting time now is because we're not fighting between the surgeons and the medical, uh, the doctors. Uh, we're now collaborating instead uh, when we treat this because this, this uh, development of TIF procedure, which is a minimally invasive uh, operation done through uh, oral approach, uh, revising the, the muscle uh, to uh, uh, make the, the normal physiology uh, back to where it was and has a very minimal uh, uh, potential complications. And so we're both excited uh, you know, from a medical a doctor like myself, gastroenterologist, to a surgeon, uh, and, and we can collaborate uh, between two different fields and achieve an excellent outcome. So this is a very exciting time where we can now offer definitive uh, a cure, essentially, uh, for this chronic illness so that you don't need to take these medications over long term. Wonderful. Can you talk a little bit, I think when we talked earlier, you discussed a little bit about Heidel, you know, the collaboration, which is fantastic between a general, a surgeon and I, um, and, and you said the majority, if not almost 90, 99% of your procedures with the one procedure was a straight TIF, meaning you um, collaborated with a surgeon to do a hiatal hernia repair as well as the TIF procedure, correct? Right. 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 Yeah. So... so yeah, go ahead. Before, before, go ahead. Before, before the Nissan fund application is where the surgeon would go in, uh, close the diaphragm, and wrap the stomach around the esophagus, and uh, that's the Nissan. So it's wrapping the esophagus uh, 360 degree around the esophagus, and the, the problem was that was causing patients with dysphagia uh, and bloating, gas bloating, and, and so forth. Is, is, uh, uh, satisfaction rate is very low. Uh, so what we're doing now is have a surgeon go in and close a diaphragm, but stop short of doing the wrap. Uh, so stopping at the point where he's just closing the diaphragm and coming out. And then the TIF part is where we go inside and, and doing the, the, the wrap part of the Nissan fund application but, for, but done from internally uh, and at a 270 degree and the kind of operation achieves the end result that's very close to being physiologic. And uh, the outcome has been excellent uh, with the very minimal to no side effects or the chance of dysphagia or bloating. Yep, 
So uh, we're going to start answering some questions if you don't mind. We got we got a lot in here so that have been popping up. So first question, uh, does stress cause acid reflux? It's an exacerbating factor. So, uh, you know, the, in the underlying anatomy is the, the hydrohernia and lax sphincter. That's the underlying problem. But there are modifying causes that makes it worse, uh, such as stress, overeating, and certain types of food. How safe is it to come to the hospital right now for a procedure during this COVID times? It, time? Yes, uh, the most of hospitals follow the the, uh, the, the CDC guideline. Uh, they take extreme precautions to prevent infections, uh, and, and they would stop doing procedures if you, if you run out of this uh, the, the PPE uh, that's required to to provide this kind of care. Uh, but so right now, the at least in the area that I'm in, they have enough uh, PPE. Uh, to to uh, proceed with the uh, elective procedures in a safe environment. Fantastic. Are you also doing telehealth visits as well, Dr. Ko, or is yes. that, or, yeah, okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yes. Yeah, uh, most office visits are done by, by uh, telehealth. Okay, uh, doc, Dr. Ko, what is the success rate of the TIF procedure and what are the complications post-surgery? Surgery. So the overall, uh, the success rate has been estimated to be somewhere close to about 80%. Uh, some say about 75, between 75 to 80% success rate. Uh, the, the complication rate, uh, if you compare to Nissan, this is incredibly uh, safer, uh, whereas the Nissan from the application, you can expect to get about 30% of dysphagia. Uh, but with the TIF, the, we hardly ever see dysphagia is almost to zero. And, and the kind of complication we're talking about now, our typical complication we talk about doing endoscopy. So the chance of perforation, infection, bleeding, is estimated to be about one in a thousand each. So typically around 0.4%, so under 0.5%, which is quite comparable to some, something like endoscopy or colonoscopy. Right, perfect. Another question, uh, is it safe to keep taking my heartburn medicine during COVID? <laughs> well, I wouldn't stop it <laughs> right away. Uh, you know, you're taking the medication for a reason. Uh, you know, you may have a serious reflux disease, erosive esophagitis, so if you stop the medication, all that underlying problem will recur and you will end up getting all the erosive esophagitis again. So if you weigh the risk and benefits, although I mentioned there's an increased risk of COVID, uh, it doesn't mean everybody will get it. So, so, it's, it's a, it's a, so you have to weigh the risk and benefits in every case. But the, 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 the reason you're on the medication is because you have underlying problem. So I, I would encourage you to talk to your doctor about it before you just stop. Perfect. Uh, another question. For a patient that is concerned about having a TIF performed, what can you share to set the right expectations both pre- and post-TIF, including recovery time frame and diet modifications? So that's kind of post-op. What, what can they expect, right, after they have the TIF procedure as well? Post-op post recovery, they... 
The most difficult part is, is the diet. But immediately for a few days, you may experience some uh, uh, chest discomfort. Uh, it's between the sternum uh, and the stomach. There's a substernal area. Some discomfort that might require some pain medication. Not all. Some, some patients will. And sometimes you get this referred pain to the left shoulder. There's nothing wrong with the left shoulder. It's just the, uh, the body is fooling you. Uh, we call it a referred pain. Uh, it might last for a few days. Uh, and then the next difficult part is, is, is a diet, which is, has to be very gradual. And uh, you start with a liquid diet for a clear liquid for three days, then full liquid for two weeks, then soft diet for somewhere between two to four weeks, and then the regular diet. So almost everybody lose some weight, uh, which come as a added benefit in a lot of situations. <laughs> uh, but the dietary measures is, is, is really the, the challenging thing that you have to be aware. And yeah. I've heard another physician say that the reason that the, the importance of the diet is so they don't, um, you know, let that work that you did creating that new valve. Right. Right. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So initially, yeah. So initially we're, we're manipulating that GE junction, gastroceptral junction, and putting fasteners and manipulation. So it causes initial swelling, uh, some edema. Uh, so that inflammation has to subside. So initially you'll get uh, a thickening of that area. So things will have difficult time going through. Uh, so you're just buying time for that swelling to go down and the healing process to occur. Uh, so. That's a more of a, a, a physiologic process during any kind of surgery. It just happens to be in that, that difficult area where the food has to go through. So uh, you have to go easy uh, until all that swelling to go down. Then you should be able to go back to normal diet over about four to six weeks. Thank you. Here's another uh, question about post-op. Will the TIF limit me from working out and lifting weights? Weights. So lifting weight is the uh, another restriction during the recovery phase. So so during that that four to six weeks, uh, we advise patient not to lift anything heavy, and there's a there's a certain protocol how heavy you get within you know first a few weeks would be five pounds, and then you can gradually increase the weight to 20, 25 pounds. So but uh, after about two to four two to four months or so, I think you should be back to normal. Uh, although I've heard that some surgeons, uh, I've heard, will tell the patients not to live anything over like 50 pounds for good. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I don't think there's been any studies on that, uh, but that's just a, a personal uh, anecdotal experience. <laughs> Okay, so another question, can a diabetic have the TIF procedure? Uh, yes, uh, it, it can. Uh, you just have to be careful. Certain diabetics can develop some called gastroparesis, uh, which is a slowing of the, the stomach that might uh, uh, delay the gastric uh, food to empty out. So it may, it may be an added complication 
that complication is an, another added factor you have to consider before decision making. Okay. But it doesn't. It's not a contraindicate. Okay. Is uh, the TIF procedure considered a major surgery? <laughs> well, <laughs> it would be considered minimally invasive surgery. So uh, when we say minimally invasive surgery, uh, I don't know how, what, what the definition is a major surgery is. <laughs> I guess it's, it depends on how you look at it. Uh, so it's a minimally invasive, it's an incision less if, it, if it's done without the hernia repair, so you don't get any scar. Uh, and it's all done through the, uh, through, through the mouth, uh, sort of like having an endoscopy. Uh, right. So some people might consider that major, some people may not. Yeah, good point, good point. Uh, is there a purpose to doing a TIF without a hernia repair? Yes, uh, so I mentioned there are two components uh, that contributes to reflux, is, uh, but you may not necessarily have to have both. So some people have loose sphincter, that ineffectual, the, the sphincter that doesn't work without the hyder hernia. So if, if you don't have a hyder hernia, it's just a loose sphincter, that's when you really need just a straight tip. You don't need the, the laparoscopy to close the diaphragm. So people can have reflux disease without hydrohernia and vice versa also. Uh, so, you know, sometimes you can have hydrohernia and no reflux. Uh, so you have to individualize on every case and uh, uh, you have to have a discussion. Okay, thank you. So another question, uh, can, can Barrett's esophagus, hiatal hernia and acid reflux all three of those combined be taken care of during the TIF procedure? Well, Barrett's esophagus is a long-term issue. So, so you already have a change in the cells that are lining the esophagus. So that Barrett's esophagus part will not go away after hernia repair or TIF. Uh, so that would still need long-term surveillance. So what you're doing with the TIF, you're fixing the underlying physiology, the, the defect that promoted that Barrett's esophagus. Uh, so uh, you will still need a long-term surveillance. So, you, so you, you're not, there's no fix for her, uh, a Barrett's esophagus. There's a fix for the underlying problem, right. not, not the Barrett's esophagus itself. So it, it needs a long-term follow-up. Right. Perfect. Another question just came up. I have symptoms similar to GERD, but have not been diagnosed. What questions should I ask my doctor to get the, to the bottom of my issues, or what tests do I need to have done on me? That is a loaded question. <laughs> um, you know, some people have a lot of symptoms they think is related to GERD when they don't. And sometimes you can have a significant GERD and have very little or no symptom. So they don't necessarily correlate. So it's for the patients and the doctor together to figure it out, whether whatever the symptoms you're having is actually GERD that warrants some kind of treatment and, and follow-up. 
and and you can be fooled many times. Uh, so you use multiple modalities to clarify that. That one could be endoscopy, one could be the pH measurement, we call Bravo capsule study. Uh, sometimes it could be manometry, sometimes it could be upper GI series. So you have a different kind of uh, testing that we can do in conjunction with the symptom to, to let the correlate whether that symptom is actually from the GERD. So do you suggest this patient potentially go and see their GI or get a, a referral to a GI as opposed to talking to their um, regular physician, their PCP? I would, I would definitely go see a GI doctor. Uh, yeah, perfect. Okay, another question. What makes TIF better than links from Luke? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'll this, let you. <laughs> yeah, this will be a biased opinion. So, <laughs> um, so links is is there, and and I think you know uh, I I don't want to say anything bad about it, but you know there are a lot of surgeons who uh, would like to do links, and and they prefer to do that. Um, my bias is, is that links involves a foreign body, it's it a magnet, it's a metallic substance, metallic material that moves back and forth. <clears throat> Once it gets in there, that first, the number one disadvantage that I see is that you can't really get an MRI study. So, uh, well, you, you could get an MRI study possibly, but it may just demagnetize the whole links that's in, inside of you. Uh, somebody actually played around with this big magnet after links and they just demagnetized the whole thing just by putting a magnet right on, on himself, uh, just prove the point. Uh, then they have to take it out. So if you really need to do something like that, then you have to remove the, the device. Uh, then you lose the whole effectiveness of it. Uh, what we're seeing more and more is, is a lot of long-term complication of links. Uh, and if you talk to many different surgeons, there are many cases where they have to go in and, and, and uh, take the, the links out because it can erode into the lining of the mucosa, it can come out. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of potential complications. It has a much higher uh, rate of dysphagia. Uh, the significant dysphagia rate, which is the whole reason why we're not doing Nissen from the partition. It's probably not as bad as Nissen, but still significant. Okay. So I'm not a great fan of, of Link's procedure myself uh, okay. for those reasons. Very much. Uh, so we talked a little bit about recovery. Um, let's talk a little bit about living GERD free. Um, you, you've had, you've done quite a few TIF um, procedures. Um, you mentioned heidel hernia TIF um, related uh, concomitant procedures or combined procedures. Do you have any, um, any success stories from patients that you've heard? Do they come back and, and, and um, do you have any stories about them coming back and, and not taking their PPIs anymore or feeling fantastic after what, what do you generally hear from your patients after the TIF procedure? What, what, the problem I have is they, they are too happy. They don't come back. <laughs> uh, so I guess that's a good problem. 
some of the patients that I've been following for years with it prior to having this TIF done, I've been seeing them for every six months or so, or even need to do an endoscopy to reevaluate and so forth. Once they do the, this TIF procedure, say, I don't need you, doc. Oh, no. So <laughs> they don't come back because there's, there's nothing come back to, to, to talk about. So I have a, a, a number of them, uh, but the most, the recent one, you know, I, I felt very uh, good about was, uh, you know, some of the unusual cases that I, I, I operated. Uh, one case, uh, it was a, it was a somebody with an idiopathic uh, pulmonary fibrosis, mm -hmm. uh, and this is a is a lung disorder, and and thinking is that some of the the reflux that aspirated into the lung may be contributing to the fibrosis of the lung, and then they get very short of breath and get cough, they get, get sore throat all the time. So the, the patient uh, has been suffering for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. And uh, sure enough, when we do the evaluation, he had a lot of reflux. So after the concomitant uh, TIF, the three months later, he went back to his pulmonary doctor. He had a pulmonary function test done came back and said, I had 100% improvement on the pulmonary function test just three months out. So, so you know, that was, a, that was a great feeling to have and say, and now I feel great because I'm not coughing as much. And so that, wow. that, was, that was exciting. Uh, that is very exciting. Wow, that patient must be very, very happy for sure. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, I did have one more question that I wanted to, to address um, that has come up. Um, Rajesh is asking, could you please give us a ballpark figure on the costs of this procedure and what should we have covered with with the insurers? Well, that, that's, that's an insurance question. Right, <laughs> right. I'm not really familiar with. Um, I, and I, I, you know, every plan has a different coverage. They goes into co-pays and different rates of co-pays and deductibles. And each insurance companies have their own contract with hospitals. So there's no one set answer there. Uh, and I'm not even, I'm not sure what, if they <laughs> don't have an insurance, what the cost is. I, to be honest, I, I don't really know the yeah. answer to that. At your office, if, it, or you go into a TIF train specialist, their office can um, look up the insurance and, and find out what what gets covered and, and what not, right, Dr. Koh? Yes. So, yeah, so yeah. if you're in the area, yeah, you can call <laughs> Dr. Koh's office and, and their uh, office staff would probably help you with that. Um, the TIF is uh, covered 100% for Medicare and Medicaid, so, so that's good. Uh, but to your point, all of the insurances are different depending if you have, have a hiatal hernia or not. Um, right. Everything, every patient is different and every insurance company is different. <laughs> so that's a fair, fair assessment. Right. Um, well, I can't, again, I can't thank you enough. Um, first of all, we've got, had a lot of questions from Facebook. So thank you, Facebook users for asking all the questions tonight. Um, Dr. Ko, are there any last, um, comments or anything you want to share with, uh, all of our viewers tonight? Um, whether it's about GERD or the TIF procedure or, you know, just staying safe here in this pandemic. Um, is there anything that you'd like to end with? <laughs> no, I, I, 
No, I, I just thought, I'm just so excited to to be able to provide this service uh, at this point in my career. You know, I, I I've spent almost 30 years, like I said, and I've been wait, waiting for this kind of procedure to come out uh, to be able to do this. So, uh, you know, I was supposed to be retiring uh, in number of years, <laughs> and then we brought you to, and now I, I I'm doing this. And so I'm so excited about this. As I say, no, I'm, I'm going to put off my retirement now because I'm I'm just so excited in in just so doing having so much fun doing it, and and working with the patients. And uh, I'm just so pleased to provide the service and the patient coming back, telling me how happy they are, uh, which is great. Gives me great joy. Uh, so you know, uh, and I can't. Thank you guys enough to the call company for developing this kind of tool, uh, which is just an amazing uh, tool uh, to be able to uh, be able to use that. Thank you, Dr. Ko. Uh, let's ask. Let's answer one last question that we just got that came in because I, I, we forgot to touch on this. Is there any overnight stay after the TIF procedure? Yes. You, yes. Usually, it's, a, it's an overnight stay. Right. Uh, it's, it's rarely some patients may go home the same day, but it's a typically overnight day. Well, with that said, I can't thank you enough for joining us tonight, Dr. Ko. We appreciate all your answers. We got a lot of people saying thank you for all of your answers um, and and information about GERD and the TIF procedure tonight. And um, we appreciate you being on here um, for our patient or for the patients and the consumers that are out there suffering from GERD. So. If you are looking for a physician in your area, um, if you're in the Orange County area, you can see Dr. Ko, but if you're not, you can visit GERDhelp.com. Uh, that's our website. And also obviously our Facebook page. Uh, we have a lot of information on there and also a physician finder. So you can put in your zip code or your state and you'll be able to find a physician that is um, trained in your area. So. Again, thank you very much, Dr. Ko. We appreciate it. And everybody joining us tonight, thank you very much. And please stay safe out there. We'll catch you next week. Thank you very much. If you are suffering from chronic acid reflux and want more information, please visit GERDhelp.com or download our GERDhelp mobile app. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of TIFF Talk. Leave your questions and comments on our social media at GERD Help. Live well, GERD free.